Praise the Lord. How many of you are traveling this week? Is anybody traveling? Could you just stand up please? This week if you are traveling. Praise God. Oh, our pastor is traveling. Praise God. Church, there are a lot of, lot of our brethren who are traveling this week. I want you to stretch forth your hands. That this vacation will be the most fruitful vacation in their lives. Let us pray that the water that they drink, the food that they eat, the air that they breathe will bring health to them. The places that they go will be a blessing. The people that they talk to will hear what God has in store for them. Pray that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper in the name of Jesus. Pray that when they come back, they will come back rejoicing with testimonies to glorify God alone. Pray that at this time of the vacation, they will always remember they have been taken for a purpose for the vacation. And that purpose will be accomplished in Jesus' name. Pray that everything that they put their hand to the plow will be blessed in Jesus' name. Pray that when they come back safely, they will come back with mighty testimonies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Last week, when I was coordinating, I asked you to greet three people before you could sit down. And every time I'm at this pulpit, that's what I do to you. Do you know why I do that to you? Not to punish you. To show you that with those three people's names that you take and go home, you can have them in your list of prayer. At the end, you will find that you'll have all the church members' names. And if you feel that there's no time to pray, go through that list. So today I want you to rise up. Not the three people that you greeted last week, but somebody that you have not greeted. Greet them and bless them in the name of Jesus. Three people. Can you stand up and meet three people that you have not blessed last week? Somebody you have not met last week. Greet them in the name of Jesus. Find out their names. Find out their names. Three people that you have not met last week. Find out their names. Greet them and bless them. You have three names now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now let us bow our heads. And let, let us lift up these three or four brethren, whoever you have met, let us lift them up into the Lord, throne room of grace and say, God, speak to us. As you speak to me, speak to these people that I have shook hands today, that they will hear your word. And that the word that goes forth today will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it goes forth. And now pray, the ones that I met today, that you will meet them at their point of need, that you will bless them. You will use them mightily for your glory. That great and mighty things will be accomplished in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, hide me behind the cross. I pray that it will not be my words, but you and yours alone. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are still continuing our Bible study on the book of James. One year, seven months have all, already passed or that we are doing this study. We are doing the topic of grow up 
and don't give up. We have come to section 15, 15 parts we have completed. So today's that we will be studying will be from the book of James chapter 5. We will be doing from verses 7 to 12. James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. Uh, those of you who do not have a Bible, please share the Bible with the person beside you. And those of you who have Bible, please don't keep it only for yourself. If you find somebody not having a Bible, share it with them. Can I we have the reading? It's James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. The Bible says, Be patient then, my brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rain. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have been persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Father, I pray that you will take these words, Lord God. Let it bring forth fruit in all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've titled today's message, How to Develop Patience. How to Develop Patience. From this scripture that we are going to see, I'm taking it and I'm titling it, How Can We Develop Patience. A lot of our life we spend waiting most of our life, I want to share something and I'm sure many of you will might uh, say, yes, Brother Claudia, I know what you went through because I also went through that. If you were not a believer before the age of 20, maybe you would have gone what I went through. As a little child, I waited to go to school, even before I could go to school. I longed to go to school. I spoke to my mama, when, is, when are you going to take me to school? And once I got there, I didn't like it. I wanted to get out of school. Then, I couldn't wait to get out of school. And once I was out of school, I couldn't wait to fall in love. Don't look at me like that. No, I know all of you have done the same thing. And once, you know, after falling in love, I could not wait to get married. All that I was talking about, when we will get married, when we will get married. I was waiting for that. And when marriage took place, I couldn't wait to have kids, children. I could not wait. I wanted to have children. My wife put the brakes. She said, can we wait? I said, no, I want now. And many times I would like either be the wife or the husband. And when I got the kids, I could not wait. I wanted them to grow up. Now they are in that stage of growing up. I'm still waiting when they will get married and go. I'm just kidding. I'm waiting for them to get married and have their own children. All our life, what we do, 
is we wait. Waiting is part of our life. But how do you face that waiting? That's the question. How do you face that waiting? We spend our lives. Now, I want to give some examples about waiting. We have a lot of waiting when we are on the highway driving. Our patients are tested. We'll have a lot of waiting at the supermarket line. Especially when somebody has a bigger cart of 350 kilos of weight and you have only three items and you are waiting. And then you start interceding that the line will move faster, that another line will open. Then we have waiting at the doctor's office. We just wait when our turn will come. And especially if you are in a European country, the waiting is very bad. You make an appointment, they ask you to wait six months. By the time you are dead, buried and resurrected also. Don't go there. Your waiting is too long. At least here, thank God, you call up, you can run. So waiting at doctor's office also is, is painful. Waiting at the railway station is more painful, especially when you wait for your train. More severe than that, waiting at the airport for three hours for that flight till you put your foot and then you have those guys come, strap your belt, take off. You say, God, when am I going to reach home? Waiting is very painful. But let us see how much are we willing to wait at the church. Do we do that waiting at church? That's the last place that has to wait for us. We do all the waiting in the whole world. But when it comes to church, we tell, you wait now. I have waited all these years now. Can you wait for me? We do that. We are sarcastic to God. We make, we make God to wait for us. See, isn't the Bible true when it says two or three are gathered in my name that I am there? So the moment one brother or one sister comes in, his presence is already here. And we make God to wait. And we do it all our lives. Do you know one more thing? Before our, our congregation, there's another congregation is here. And the presence of God is already manifested. It's not that the Holy Spirit goes for coffee and tea and comes back. No, no, His presence is here. And we walk in coolly. And we say, God, you wait for me. Let the worship get over. The question is, how, how much we wait for our salaries to come? We got the salary only yesterday. We wait for next 30 years for the salary to come. And we pray, can the salary, can I get an advance also? We wait for vacation. We wait for weekends. I was talking to one of my colleagues. He came in on Sunday and he said, I'm waiting when Thursday will come again. I said, you just started. No, I can't wait, you know. It's true. We cannot wait. But God says, you wait. We are in the generation which is called now generation. I want my food now. Everything now, later, gone. I am very patient all the time except when my food is late. Then you get to know the real Claudie. Don't come home at that time. It's true. Have you ever noticed the restaurant that is very expensive? You've got to do a lot of waiting. Have you been to those restaurants? I'm not talking about going to the small shop waiting for tea. I'm talking about expensive restaurants. The first thing is, there are five different types of waiting that you do in a restaurant that is expensive. You wait to be seated. Then, you wait to get the menu. You have to wait. Third, you wait to, to give your order. 
Because everything is done in eloquence of style. Then you wait to get your food. Your mouth will be watering because you see the next guy eating this egg and your food is still waiting. And what we do normally, I can have that one, that one. We, we say not what we want, what that person is eating. We say, I want that one. What is that you're serving? This waiter must think, where this guy has come from? He only wants to eat other person's food. He doesn't want to order his own food. Then, after we finish eating, now we start waiting for the bill. Waiter, bill. We wait. Now, they have the audacity to call that guy the waiter. But who's doing the waiting from start to end? It's us. And he's called waiter. We are waiting all our life to get that one meal. And they say, waiter. Waiter should look and say, you please wait. Today, we are going to look at what James has to say, how to develop patience. We are going to look and see what James has to say. And in this passage that we read this afternoon, James talks about patience six times or the word perseverance. He uses these words, patience, some of your Bibles got patience, some of you got perseverance, and James talks about it. And I'm going to look at three areas today. The first area, Sister Joyce, when to be patient. Thank you, Sister Joyce. Why be patient? When to be patient? Why be patient? And the third one, how to be patient. So we're looking at when... Why and how? And that's what we're going to do our studies. The first one, let us look. Thank you, technical team. Be in line with me. When should I be patient? The first thing is, when should I be patient? James isn't talking about that we have to be patient all the time. Let me tell that. James is not saying all the time you have to be patient. But James is saying there are three special times that you need to be patient. There are three special ways and you need an extra overdose of patience for these three particular areas. Number one is when circumstances are uncontrollable. Number one, when circumstances are uncontrollable. Have you ever figured out that most of our life there are many things that is out of our control. Have you noticed that? There are many things. Now James uses in this book about the farmer that when circumstances are uncontrollable. That's what James is talking about. Look at verse 7. Let's go to our study now. Turn to verse 7. It says, Be patient then brothers until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. How patient he is. Look at that. How patient he is. Now, I want to challenge many of you have, you want to do something in your life. Don't go into farming if you don't have patience. If you don't have patience, don't go to that area. Okay, leave that to the farmers. Part of the job description of a farmer, he has three job descriptions. Number one, waiting to till the ground, to dig the ground. Number two, Waiting to sow the seed. He has to wait at the right time. Three, waiting to do pruning. There are three areas that this farmer has to wait. Tilling the ground, sowing the seed, and pruning it. Yet, the farmer has no control on certain factors. He is doing all the right things, but there are certain factors this farmer has no control. And what are they? He has no control over the weather. He can't control the weather. 
He has no control over the rain. If it's going to rain that day. He has no control over the heat that is taking place. Just imagining farmer farming in Oman. And he has no control over the economic of the land. He has no control over this. But if you have faith, then you must know a lot about farming before you take it into practice. Have you noticed that even when we realize that the situation is beyond our control, most of us, what we do, we still try to take control of it. There are certain things that is beyond our control, but we want to take control of them. We think by worrying we can take control of, this, of the situation. That's what we think. We need to have patience in uncontrollable circumstances which you have no grip over. You need to have. Sub, second point. When people are unchangeable, you need to have patience. Second point is, when people are not willing to change, you need to have patience. Look at verse 10, what James says. James gives us a beautiful example. Since we are doing a Bible study, I would like you to take notes. Look, look at your scripture. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. It says, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering... Take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. So, what is the duty of a prophet? Or in other words, what's the duty of a child of God? The Bible says prophet. What's the duty? Number one, the duty of the prophet is to help people to change from their ways of life. Number one. Number two, to bring them back to God. That's the duty of a prophet. And we find in the scripture, all along the prophets rebuked even kings to get them to change their ways. Prophets guided the kings to know the ways of the Lord. And the third thing the prophet did, he seen that these people started to continue to walk in the ways of God. That's what the duty of the prophet. That's what's supposed to be your duty and my duty in this world. Have you ever noticed that many people will resist you even though you try to do these things? You might be showing them a lot of love. But if you make a tiny suggestion, they will resist you or they will push you away and they will never come back to, to you again. If you try to do it in love. Do you know anybody of such a person in your life that refuses to change and you have done everything for that person and in love? The person is not willing to change. Do you know how difficult it is to live with that kind of person who is not willing to change? It's very, very hard. You know that they might be lying to you, but you are showing love to them. They are lying to you. You know that they are cheating on you. You know that very well. And still God tells you to have patience with that person. You know that they are stealing from you. Many times it's done. It's either done in the offices or it's done at home with our children. You know that your children, your child is stealing from your wallet. But God says you have patience with that person and pray that that person will not steal from you. You know that your brother or your sister is backbiting you. But, your, but our God says have patience with them. You know that they despise you. They reject you, but yet God says, love that person. Amen.
you are commanded to love that person, no matter what they are doing to you. You have no right, you have no right to slander that person or to strap that person across the face and say, get right. We need patience with people. They will never change or they may change. But what are you going to do about it? The Bible says, you be patient. Can I hear an amen? I'll give you an example. Sometimes you show undescribable love to a person and in return they show you rebellion and they show you unfaithfulness. What do you do in such a situation? You have a child. You show all the love to that child and yet that child is rebelling against you. The Bible says, you pray and you wait. That's all is your duty. Sometimes we do exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. We worry, we grumble, we fight with that child. Sometimes we want that child to change in our terms and in our time. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, in his time, he makes... Amen. That's the simplest. Why, why complicate things in your life to do things the way you want them to be done? You can teach people to change. You can show them how to change. But you need to wait for them to change. That's your duty. In the time that they are learning, God is actually ministering to you. Amen? God is ministering to your heart. The third point is, when problems are unexplainable. If you are sleeping, say hallelujah. Amen. I love you. Praise God, I love you. Okay, when problems are unexplainable, the classic example is in verse 11. Look at, let's, let's look at verse 11 and see what James has to say in verse 11. You have heard of Job's perseverance. Look at that. James is pointing us to Job and he says, have you seen Job's perseverance? Job was the wealthiest man in his time. In his time, Job was very wealthy. He had everything under his control. Everything. In two days' time, things turned out different. And I pray this will not be our portion. Because we will not be able to stand it. Not even one of what Job has gone through. If we ever face it, we will not. We will curse God. But I want to show you. Everything fell apart in two days' time in Job's life. He went back bankrupt. His children were murdered. Just imagine that. The Serbians came and killed his children when they raided the place. He got an incurable, deadly disease that was painful. Very painful. He had to scratch himself every time because the pain was so unbearable. He lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his finance. He was suffering materially, physically, socially. Every kind of way he was suffering. One day, his beautiful wife comes to him. We thank God for wives. One hallelujah. All the others don't like our wives. <clears throat> Job, she says, My husband Job, can you curse God and die? Now, is that not a beautiful support to get from somebody you love very much? Beautiful support. Curse God and die. God allowed the devil to take everything away, except he didn't allow the devil to take the nagging wife away. Job would have said, Lord, you took everything, couldn't you take her first? 
Can you imagine this is the woman who is supposed to be praying? She's telling me, curse you and die. He never said that. Job didn't reply that. He only said, you do not know what you're talking. The worst part of Job's suffering, I want to tell you this, that Job was absolutely having no idea why this was taking place to, in his life. He had no idea. For 37 chapters, can you imagine that? 37 chapters in the book of Job, God didn't even talk to him or tell him why he was suffering. 37 chapters. And we do not know how long. The Bible is silent about it. And let us not go into that and say 37 chapters could be 37 years. Let us not go there. Okay? It says for 37 chapters, God was silent and he didn't talk to Job. There was no apparent reason for this misfortune. All the people, Job had the privilege to say one thing. Why me? Why me, Lord? And sometimes you might go through a situation. It's okay. God, why me? Could you explain to me and tell me why I'm going through this? At times, life is not fair, my brothers and sisters. That's true. God never said it's going to be fair for you and me. Brethren, in a lot of our life, we spend not knowing why God is doing certain things in our life. Maybe you will never understand on this side of heaven, but when you go there, you will know why, but that will be too late and not necessary to know. This life is a short time. In all our unexplained problems, Job made sure he maintained his faith. I want to share this with you. No matter what you are going through, don't let your faith fall apart in whatever circumstance you are going. When circumstances are uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, and when problems are unexplainable, you really maintain patience. The question is, why, Brother Claudie? Why? And the answer is, next point is, why should I be patient? My next point is, number one, for the reason to be patient is, God is in control. That's the only need, reason you need. Nothing else. My God is in control. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Three times in this passage we see that James says, the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. James is continuously showing us the ultimate proof that God is in control, it says God is, is in control. Now, God is in control of history. Do you know why? Because it's his story. That's the reason he's controlled. He's having total control of history. He got all planned out. Everything is on schedule of what God is going to do. Nothing is late for our God. He has, we are reaching our climax of his return. Everything is falling into the right place. God's purpose for your life is greater than your problems that you are facing now. You only have to need to say, God, what is your purpose, Lord God? Let your purpose be more than what I am going through. I want your purpose to be fulfilled in my life. My brothers and sisters, God's timing is perfect. He is never late. Some of you are experiencing delays right now in many areas of your life. But God's delays doesn't mean it's denial. It's not a denial. He's got a reason for it. My second point, 
God rewards patience. Look at verse 11a part. 11a says, As you know, when we consider blessed those who have persevered. I want you to circle the word blessed. The second half of Job's life was a total blessing than his first half. Number one, there are three kinds of rewards for being patient. There are three kinds of reward for being patient. Number one, your character grows. Your character is transformed. You become more like Christ-like. Number two, you get along with people when you come to the end of it. Number three, you are happier. And there's one more point. At the last, you will reach your goal in Jesus' name. There's a benefit in patience. And let us look at what's the benefit of being patient. Number one, God rewards it. God is the one who's going to reward your patient. Number two, you will be honored at the end of it. You will receive your honor at the end of it. And three, when you come out of it, people will look at you and say, that person was really patient in all these trials that they went through. And they will bless God for that. But not just on this side of eternity, my brothers and sisters, but also on the other side of eternity you will be rewarded. Let us quickly turn to the scripture of Matthew 5. Yes, Matthew. Matthew 5, verses 13 to 14. And we will see what's the reward on the other side of being patient. Matthew 5, verses 13 to 14. Are you there? Matthew 5. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verses 13 to 14, Blessed are you when people insult you. See that? When people insult you, you must think, you should not think, you should know that you are blessed. Don't think that you are cursed when someone insults you. Yeah, the Bible is not wrong. Blessed are you when they insult you. Number two, when they persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you. What are you now when this is happening? You are? You are blessed. The Bible says you are blessed when people persecute you. The Bible says when you are ill-treated, you are blessed. Then then see, because of me all this is happening. Okay, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. You see the reward that you have for patience, not here on earth, but your reward is in heaven. Amen? So, see, so persecuted they, the prophets that were before you. Everyone who went before us were persecuted. They went through it. So God says, you hold on, be patient, because great is going to be your reward. Now, we see there's a spiritual side. What is the natural side of this? What is our natural tendency in the time of patience? So let me say, when someone hurts you, what do you do? You get even with that person immediately. The moment you are hurt, the first thing you pick up the phone. Sister, do you know what happened just now? Sister so-and-so, she said this. I can't believe she said that. We need to pray about it. Certainly, call up the group and let the group pray for that person. Immediately we get back. You retaliate. You take revenge. You take matters into your own hand because you cannot wait for God to work. When people criticize you, you want to criticize them immediately. You don't wait. That tongue does not want to be inside. It wants to come outside and criticize that person. When we get insulted, 
you know what happens sometimes when people are insulting you? You know what they do? Before you can stop the insult, they will start insulting you back. Number one, they will first talk about you. Then they will talk about your mother. You are just like your mother. They don't stop there. Then they will say you are just like your grandfather. That poor man died 50 years ago. She or he never seen the grandfather. Yet they say you are just like him. They bring up all your full history. All the monkeys and the donkeys from the zoo. We becomes your family members now. Look at them, you look just like that person. Your behavior is like this. Just because you said one word of insult, instead of that person being patient and saying, God, forgive my husband for saying this word against me, instead of that, you will get history untold to you. We have to be very careful. And I've seen this many times. You don't have to complete your sentence. Sister will have everything for you. Or brother will have everything for you. This is the opposite of our natural self in the time of patience. You need to be patient because God is in control. He is going to reward you for your patience. Amen? Tell your neighbor, God is going to reward you for your patience. Amen? My third point is, because God is working things out. My third point, God is working things out. Can I have this slide up, please? God is working things out. Behind the scene, behind the scene, we do not see what is happening when things are going wrong with us. But you know, God is at work. We may not see it. God doesn't have to come and prove to you and say, yes, I am working, you go through this, don't. That's not our business at all. But our Father is at work behind it. Look at verse 11, the second part. Verse 11, the second part. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord, look at that word, finally brought about. Do you have that word, finally? Mark that word. Underline that. Finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Amen? God is full of compassion and mercy. You may not see what you are going through at this time, but God is working behind it. You might be going through hell. Sorry for using that word. There might be chaos at home. There might be fights every day. Even before you can enter your house, you know there's going to be a fight. God says, you be patient. I am at work behind it. I am molding that person. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband. And sometimes you might pray, let that person not even come home. Because there's going to be a fight. God says, you be patient. You be patient. I am working in that person's life. God is work, was working all the time in the life of Job, but Job did not see it. And that's what is happening in our lives. If you have been praying for something for a long time, and you have never got an answer for all this time that you have been praying, you might be thinking that God has forgotten you. A delay is not denial, my brothers and sisters. I am sure... Job would have prayed a million times. Maybe a thousand times a day, God, can you heal me today? I'm sure Job would have made that prayer every moment. And every moment that Job would have scratched that wound, he would have said, God, can you heal me today? And God did not answer him. God did not answer him. But in God's timing, he turned everything around. You might be praying and saying, God, when will there be a change or a transformation in this situation? 
When? But maybe you want it now. Maybe you want a change in your family life now. God says, be patient because I'm working on your behalf. Amen? I want to encourage you today. Don't give up. No matter what be the situation. Say, God, you are at work. You do it in your time. I will hold on. Amen? Let us quickly turn to Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. And see what the Bible says. The Bible says, God is at work within you. Amen? I want you to tell your neighbor, God is at work within you. Mean it. Mean it please. God is at work within you. And I want to show you a second scripture. God is doing two things. One is working within us and one is working around us. Look at another scripture, Romans 8.28. Look quickly, look to Romans 8.28. And I'm going to show you not only is working within us, he is working around us. That's what we need. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things. You got that word all? That means everything around you and within you, and far away, he says, God is working. Now, tell your neighbor, God is working around you. Amen? Amen? He is working. I do not know what kind of problem you are having today. I might be standing here, I will not know what you are going through. I remember when I was going through my suffering, it took me 15 years to receive my healing. I stand here before you. 15 years I cried. And I made some wrong confessions during that time. I even prayed, God, take my life. I don't want to live. I can't take this anymore. But God was working in my life for those 15 years. Almost one year in the hospital. Many months having rods, not rods inside my leg, but rods projecting outside. But God taught me to be patient. And that's the reason I stand here to tell you, God has worked in my life. He will work in your life also. Amen. Amen. I remember that in my pain, I was witnessing to somebody... The person gave their life to Christ and they told me something very strange. She said, I was about to go and commit suicide tonight. That's where I was going to. But I thank God I came and met that I've now given my life to Jesus. Because I was on my way to commit suicide tonight. In your trials, in your pain, in your agony, God's power will be manifested for His glory. The only thing I want to encourage you, don't think that you are the only person going through that. Our forefathers went through that. Maybe our fathers went through that. And you are going through it. Hold on. Hold on. My third point. What am I supposed to be doing when I am waiting on God? What am I supposed to be doing when I am waiting upon God? That's the question. And James says, he says, there are three illustrations that you and I have to do when we are going through our suffering, okay? Let's look at what they did so that we could do it also. Number one, James is giving the life of the farmer. Let us go back to the farmer and see what the farmer did, okay? That's what we are doing. We are studying the scripture. First, the farmer, what did he do? Number one, the farmer 
wait patiently. Look expectantly. The farmer wait expectantly. We must, we must expect an harvest. I know I have done all the right things. God has asked you to do all the right things. You have done the right things. But now your duty is to wait expectantly. You may not see the sign what's going to take place. You may not even see the seed at this moment. Everything is under the ground and you are not able to see that seed even sprouting out. What does the farmer do while he is waiting on God? I want to show you this. What is the farmer doing while he is waiting upon God? The farmer is preparing and getting everything ready. He has sown the seed. He goes to his barn, he prepares his barn, he cleans up the barn, he gets everything ready. He says, my harvest is going to come. I will prepare for the harvest. He is expecting it. Look at Psalm 130 and look at verse 5. Psalm 130 verse 5 in the Living Bible. The Bible says, Psalm 130, 130 verse 5. I wait what? Look at that. I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for He has promised. You saw that word? God has promised what? I want you to circle the word if you have it, expectantly. Are you expecting something? You can say, God, you have promised it, I am expecting it. Because you promised your word and you are not a liar. You are not a liar. I will hold on to that promise today. Amen? I don't know what you are going through, brother. Maybe you are waiting for healing. We just prayed earlier. You are waiting for the healing of somebody in your family. Maybe you are waiting for a transformation in your marriage. Your marriage is a chaos. There is no, there's no peace. Maybe you are waiting for that. And you are waiting for a long time when your husband or your wife is going to change. Maybe you are waiting for a job change. A long time you are waiting and you are praying and asking about it. Maybe you are waiting for a reversal in your financial problems. There are a lot of things that you are going through. Maybe you are praying and asking God to reach out to your teenage child. Your teenage child is gone far away from God. And you are bowing your knees to God and saying, God, when are you going to bring my little son or my little daughter back to me? But God says, listen, you expect... I will hold on to my promise for you in your life. Amen? Do you really expect God to do that for you? Yes or no? Yes. The Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. You have to have faith that God will do that for you. How can you prove that you are expecting... Let me ask you a question. How can you prove that you are expecting God to do that? Simple. How can you prove? What are you getting ready for? What are you getting ready for? Are you preparing for that answer? What are you doing? Jesus waited 30 years before his ministry. Correct? 30 years of preparation and he accomplished that in 3 years. Which, which takes our whole lifetime. Look at the time. He could have started his ministry earlier. That's the reason our cousin says that he started talking even uh, at a very early age and doing miracles. But we are not going there. I'm just saying, that's what they believe in. He could have started it, but he waited 30 years for a three-year ministry, which we can't accomplish even in our lifetime, all of us put together. 
Isaiah 49, quickly let us look at Isaiah 49, verse 23. Isaiah 49, verse 23. Please switch off your phones. I earnestly request you, this is the house of God. Switch off. This is the honor that you will give your father. The Lord says, no one who waits for my help will be disappointed. Anyone who is waiting for me to help you, you will never be disappointed, the word of God says. Do you remember that there was an old song, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, on your own. And it's a beautiful song that was. And the Bible says, trust in Him with all your heart. Don't lean in your own understanding. Don't do that. My second point is, wait quietly. Wait quietly. The first one is wait expectantly. The second point is wait quietly. And this is the most hardest thing for all of us to do. We cannot be quiet. We cannot. James points out that, that we have a tendency to throw our mouths open. When I'm irritated, I get tensed up. When I'm under pressure, you cannot come near me. When things are not going my way, I am out of control. But James says there are two things you need to avoid. Take a note of these. There are two things you need to take to, to, to take into consideration and you need to avoid. Let us go back to verse 9. We've skipped verse 9 uh, earlier. Let us look at verse 9 what it says. The Bible says in verse 9, Do not grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. So while we are waiting, we are supposed to be quiet and not grumbling or complaining. Now look at verse 12. Above all, my brothers, don't swear. Do you know what's the common thing we all do when we are getting angry? Ah, the first thing. And we bring, most of us in our swearing, we bring hell. You know that? Hell is brought into our swearing. We don't swear on heaven. Heaven is gone out because now we are irritated. How do you normally respond? Most of the times to our closest ones, we unload all the filth when we are irritated to our wives, to our children. And you know something? And sometimes it's not their fault. You come with a foul mood to, from the office. And one of them says something and you swear and you curse and you throw everything on that person. We show our anger on the ones we love most. And that person is with love waiting for you. And we show all our anger because we have nobody else. Look at Lamentation 3 verse 26. And see what the word of God says in Lamentation 3.26. The Bible says it is good to wait for the salvation. To wait quietly. You look at that. The Bible commands us, hey, you wait quietly. Don't get irritated. Don't swear. Don't curse. You just wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. If you have the word quietly, circle it. That's what God is telling us. When you want to make a prayer need, take this word and say, God, give me grace that I will wait quietly for the transformation of whatever is going to take place. I will not curse. I will not grumble. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. Habakkuk chapter 2. 2 verse 3. These things wouldn't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair. 
Bible says, even if it's coming slow, don't get worried. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will, they, he says, they will not be overdue a single day. That means what is yours, God says, even one day late I will not be for, for you. I will be in time for you. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there's an echo please. Do you have a dream? Are you having a dream that God has given to you? Have you got a goal in your life? Is there a goal that you have in life? Are you having a vision that God has given you? God says, I will give it in the right time, in my time. You wait expectantly and you wait quietly. My last point. The third point is, wait confidently. You seen that? Wait confidently. Job never lost his confidence in all that he did. Everything took, looked very bad around Job. Job only did one thing. When everything was bad around him, he looked up. Let us look at the book of Micah 7.7. The book of Micah 7.7. And let us see what the scripture has to say. Micah 7.7. The Bible says, I will wait confidently for God. You see that? The Bible commands you, if you want a prayer point, God give me to have confidence in you. Everything seems chaos around me, but help me to have confidence in you that you will fulfill it in your time. Amen? How do you do that? How do you wait confidently? Because we must have hope in God alone, not in man. Please don't put your faith and trust in man. They will fail you. You do one wrong thing, man will leave you. But God will never leave you nor forsake you. So how do you wait confidently? The question is, how do I wait confidently? Simple. Be still. How do I wait confidently? Sit still. Simple. God gives us simple ways to do things, but we want it all the complicated ways. Do not be anxious. You don't take matters into your own hand and try to work out things. Look at Psalms 37 and verse 7. See what the scripture says in 37, 7. The Bible says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. That means for Him to work things in your life, you be still. Do you know what's the other word for being still? I want to be arrogant now. I'm sorry. I'm using the pulpit to be arrogant. It means shut up. God says, can you just be still, don't talk be still and let me work in your life only if the clay starts moving about and says can you move me like this, you'll get a different shape but when the clay is kept still at that windmill, it comes perfectly how the master wants it Matthew, get the choir I want us to rise on our feet right now let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want to ask you a question this afternoon. Where do you want patience in your life this afternoon? Which is the area you want patience? Do you have an uncontrollable situation? Romeo Thomas, 
Do you have an uncontrollable circumstances in your life? Is something out of your life which is uncontrollable? Are you having a problem in your job and your boss is telling you something and you don't like what he's telling you and he's forcing you to do that? Are you having a financial problem that is beyond your control? I want you to look at your lives right now. Is there somebody in your family that is having a illness for a long time? You are praying and you are praying and you are praying. Is there a situation that is going on in your life? I want you to think of this. Are you having somebody in your family who is not changing, you are not willing to change? You are ministering to this person with so much of love. You are pouring out love into that person's life, but that person is not willing to listen. And you have been doing it for years. The child is growing. And you are wondering, God, when will you touch my child? Or touch these circumstances? God is saying, I am going to minister, I am going to work in that person's life. If it's frustrating, your marriage is such a place of total frustration for you. Everything is chaos. You are willing to change, but your spouse is not willing to change. You are willing to love your spouse, but your spouse does not want to love you the way you love your spouse. You are pouring out all your love in the life of your spouse, but all you get back is filthy words, arrogance, hatred against you. And you are saying, God, when will there be change in the life of my spouse? I want us to sing this song. Here I am waiting. Abide in me today. I want you to state this song and make it into a prayer. Whatever be your situation, take it to the Lord in prayer.
I want to be still in your presence and I will wait with confidence I will wait expectantly knowing that you are going to work in the most difficult situation everything seems dead around me daddy but I believe your word is true and your promise is amen and amen in Jesus name we pray I just keep trusting my lord I just keep trusting my lord as I walk along Second Peter chapter 1 from verse 5 onwards this is what it says but also for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge self control to self control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ ask yourself perseverance is something god has asked us to practice in our life day after day 
do we always say now i want my answer now i cannot wait now god has been telling us over the last 45 minutes wait when he ascended into heaven he told his disciples to wait and they waited in prayer and supplication are you surrounded by unsavory people do your problems appear an ending god says the answer is simple be patient persevere ask yourself this question are you waiting on the lord or do you expect the lord to wait for you do you wait for god's answer to your prayer or do you run to plan b immediately we have heard it today wait patiently on the lord be confident in god and as you do so expect great things from god Let's say thank you father. Father God we say thanks to you Lord father because you have taught us. Today you have taught us Lord the virtue of being patient of persevering Lord father. You waited many years on this earth. You have time and again said wait. Father God change us from a people who want answers immediately. to a people who will learn to persevere and wait on you lord father god change us from being a people who demand the answers immediately lord but be help us to be people who can persevere and just wait patiently building up ourselves to be the kind of people you want us to be make us and mold us lord father Father God you just took one week to make the sun and the moon and the stars and this earth but you are still persevering with me you are still building me into the kind of person you want me to be thank you lord that you have not discarded me thank you lord that you have not lost patience with me lord and father god help me lord to develop that kind of a patience No harsh words should exit my mouth. No swear language should exit my mouth. No feelings of no attitude of impatience should be part of my life. Father God, we ask for all of that. And we thank you Lord that today through your servant you have taught us this Lord Father. Father God, we ask Lord that you will continue to anoint your servant whom you used to this day. that you will continue to give him words of wisdom that he can bring and teach us lord we ask lord father god that you bless him and his family every desire of their heart fulfill it lord father in your time in due time be with each one of us lord we thank you lord continue lord to minister unto us making us into the kind of people you have meant us to be lord in jesus name we pray amen let's share the grace May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.